You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast, and I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, it's Chrissy from Buzzing with Miss B and you are here for episode 15, having a vision for PLC. Today is all about what you can do to structure your PLCs so everyone walks away with something valuable and they all know what they're getting out of your meetings. So let's think about it. I'm going to ask the tough question. Do people leave your PLC without any clear direction? Too often we have PLCs where our purpose is just to inform people about something, but it doesn't actually accomplish any action. Nothing changes. And whenever people just leave with new information, but they don't have a plan, that's that's pretty much what happens. There's no change. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the first PLCs that I participated in as a teacher. So whenever I was a, a brand new teacher, there really wasn't much of an expectation that we would work together. It was kind of like, you guys should really share. And then that was sort of it. <laughs> but after I'd been teaching for a couple of years, we had a new administrator, and this was around the time that PLC was a big push, okay? Um, we were supposed to learn about PLCs, and we were supposed to learn about the fish philosophy. Do you remember the fish philosophy? It was all about play and make their day and two other things that I don't remember what they were. <laughs> they were, I'm sure it was fine, but you know, it's just one of those gimmicks. So we learned about PLCs and we learned about group dynamics and about norming and storming and performing and all that stuff. And we patted ourselves on the back for being such a high functioning group and <laughs> we liked each other and we did share and it was great. But whenever we came together for a PLC that the school was hosting, we actually never had time to do the work as a team. We learned about working as a team. We read articles about working as a team, but we didn't really produce anything. So I can remember sitting in PLCs, listening to our weekly newsletter being read aloud by my principal. True story. And yeah, that was one of those meetings that could have been an email, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the meme, but this is an aside, coaches. Does that meme drive you crazy? Because you know you send emails to teachers and they never read them. So you say, yeah, this, e this meeting could have been an email, but you don't read your emails. So now I have to tell you all the things you didn't read. Because one, one time I was sitting next to a teacher and she said, well, I didn't get that email. And I said, well, why don't we check out your email and see what's on there? And she opened it up and she had like 125 unread emails. And I was like, you know, you got to open them. I mean, I can send it to you, but you have to open it <laughs> and at the least open it when you know I'm going to come ask you about it. Come on. So, so yeah, that's, um, that was one of those meetings that could have been an email, but probably that was the same situation that people were not reading their emails. So we had to sit through that travesty of a PLC, which was not any sort of community whatsoever. So those PLCs didn't make change happen. And that's the point of a coach's work. The coach's work is to create change on your campus, right? So here's what I'm going to share with you. A seven-part structure that you can use that will actually help you structure your PLCs to where you accomplish something. And you can listen to these and kind of make adjustments that suit your purposes, but I just really recommend that you take them all in. You're going to want to write these down because they are super purposeful and carefully chosen in order to make sure that you are actually prepared to structure a PLC, okay? So here's the first step. Review norms. If you haven't set norms, make them, okay? Norms are the agreement that you have for working together. It's how we'll act and what we will do. 
And good norms for PLC include things like arriving prepared with whatever materials and knowledge you need to come with, everybody contributing their thinking, staying on focus, etc. So norms are important because they they inform the way that we interact and they provide you with tools to say, you know what, guys, we got to stick to our norms. We're getting off topic and we're not going to meet our goals for this PLC today if we keep doing this. So let's really stay focused and we can plan a session to talk about those other topics if we need to. Okay. Step two, check in. So you want to respond to any accountability piece that you set up during the last PLC. So for example, in my last episode, I talked about how you can align strategies across your campus, your grade levels, by having uh, accountability pieces during PLC. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I really recommend that you do because it is um, going to give you a way to align strategies and build common strategy use across your campus that I think can really impact coaching and teaching and learning on your campus. But anyway, The purpose of this chunk of time during PLC is to say, okay, we set an accountability piece during our last PLC meeting. Let's check in on that. Does everybody have the piece that we agreed that you would bring? Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit more whenever we get to setting the accountability measure at the end of this session, okay? So step three, you wanna state your purpose for the PLC and what people will walk away with. So the purpose is a specific thing you're going to accomplish. What are people going to walk away with from that purpose? If you're planning together, then they're going to walk away with plans for two weeks in math, for example. If it's a data PLC, it could be next steps to use with small groups or whole group or something along those lines. If it's a learning PLC, maybe it's three ideas you can use to teach reading strategies, right? We want to be explicit and we want to state those things because people sometimes walk away going, did I get anything out of this? But if you said you're going to walk away with whole group, small group plans, you want to make sure they accomplish that. If you said you're going to walk away with three ideas you can use to teach reading strategies, there you go. That's what your PLC has to be very, very focused on because people need to know I left with these three things or else it feels like wasted time. Teachers are so overwhelmed. Things go in one ear and out the other ear. And that's not a criticism. It's just the nature of the beast, I think. So we want to be purposeful and make sure that teachers know why they're there. Okay, because if not, it just feels like I didn't go to the bathroom for this. Like I didn't get to go heat up my coffee because of this. Why am I here listening to the newsletter being read with my cold coffee? <laughs> you know. Okay, the step four for this process is you want to identify roles for the day or review regular roles. This doesn't always need to happen. It sort of depends on what your purpose is for this session. But if you have a collaborative planning PLC especially, you may have roles that people have been assigned that maybe I'm the note taker and so I'm going to record the notes and process them into a lesson plan format. Or if you have somebody whose job is to bring all the resources that everybody is going to look at, then that person, yes, did you bring your stuff? Yes, I've got my stuff. You just kind of want to check in with those roles and make sure everybody's prepared. Um, If you have a learning PLC, then you might not need to have different roles. Everybody's kind of independently learning their thing and of course contributing their thinking, which you've probably reviewed in the norms. All of these steps, because all these steps one through four, happen at the beginning of the meeting before you get into any content. All of those things need to take maybe 10 minutes. 
the check-in might take the longest because you're checking on their accountability pieces. But if you're taking longer than that to kind of get started, then you're eating up all of your PLC time. However, if you skip all these steps and jump into the PLC, whatever learning you're doing or work you're doing together, then it might not go as smoothly or feel as um, structured as you would like it to. So I don't recommend cutting them out, but find a flow that works for you to where you can get them in and get them out quickly and make sure that everybody is, is sort of thinking on the same page, okay? Step five, well, here's where you do the work of the PLC. You conduct your business, whether that's planning or data review or learning. Um, and I actually have podcast episodes about collaborative planning. That's in episode seven and how to conduct a data review meeting. And that's episode eight. So if you need some help uh, and you want some ideas on how to make those really purposeful, check out those episodes because I've got some really good stuff there for you. So let's say you're doing a planning PLC. I'm going to talk a little bit about what you can do during this chunk of time where you're conducting the business of the PLC um, to make sure that everybody is walking away with these plans. So you want to build the content that the teachers need. And I have a bunch of tips on how to do that um, just a few episodes ago in aligning your, your content and your common knowledge. Uh, you also want to plan backwards. So look at the assessment and look at your standards and make sure that everything you're planning is going to help students do the things that you are being that you're going to ask them to do by the end of this unit. You can share ideas based on the upcoming unit and do more than brainstorm. So this is what often happens. Teachers sometimes share ideas, lots and lots of ideas get out there and they're all sort of on a board or like on a notepad, notepad somewhere. But then there's no structure to those plans. So then whenever teachers walk away, all those ideas just sort of fall out of their brains and they kind of forget, what, what were we going to do? What were we going to do? Instead, take those ideas and schedule them on a calendar, okay? Um, you can go back to episode seven to learn a little bit more about this, but you want to make sure that teachers are walking away with something that resembles a day-to-day, -day, whether that's really structured or not. They need an idea of where they're headed because if not, they leave and say, what am I gonna? What am I supposed to do? I don't know what I'm doing. Trust me, it's happened to me. <laughs> so if it's happened to you, you are not alone. Another kind of PLC you could conduct is a data PLC. And during a data PLC, you're going to review the assessment, identify strengths and weaknesses, share strategies for success, you can model here if needed, or you can have teachers model if they have had some success in that area. And then make a plan for next steps for whole group and small group. And again, you can learn more about that in episode eight and get a free download that will help you structure those data meetings. A third kind of PLC is a learning PLC. So for a learning PLC, you want to have a clear learning target. That's your purpose. And you want to identify what learning people will get out of it. So I always recommend sharing a specific number of strategies or steps and then stating them. For example, if you say five strategies for student engagement during reading or six ways to build numeracy in less than 15 minutes, that sounds like clickbait, <laughs> but there's a reason people click on clickbait, right? There is a reason because we think, ooh, this is going to be good. And so what we want to do is make teachers See clearly, this is what you're getting. These are the five things you're getting. These are the six things you're getting. We want to have that topic to be really clear and concise because if not, they walk away and they don't know what they learned. You kind of think of it as like a headline and make sure people can identify each of those ideas. So as you're going through them, you're saying, this is strategy number one for numeracy. And you'll see it takes less than 15 minutes. This is strategy number two for numeracy. It takes less than 15 minutes. You're reiterating 
um, and you can even have a visual that represents each of these strategies because you want teachers to leave knowing what they got out of that information. And then of course you want to discuss how they can apply it to the classroom and figure out which ones might be most relevant to the work they're currently doing. Hey coaches, I'm just gonna pop in here really fast because I wanna share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, The Confident Literacy Coach, is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right now. So here's the deal. When I started out as a coach, I struggled. I had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration. And I honestly didn't even know that was something I was going to have to do. I dreaded PLC days because getting my teachers to collaborate, to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare. And I was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that I actually avoided it for a long time. It was not a happy time for me, (laughs) but things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices in reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons. Basically, I started coaching with confidence. This work and I've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too. The Confident Literacy Coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school. You'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator, what best practices you should spend your time on, and my process for collaborative planning, plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident. You can check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com. Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. Okay, so step six. We've gone through steps one through five. Step six is a closing. And the idea is you want to have an accountability measure for next time. So accountability measures can look like different things. It could be if you're having a data meeting, maybe teachers are going to um, conduct the plans that they created, and then they're going to bring back findings. If you had a learning PLC, maybe they're going to try out a strategy and they're going to bring back evidence or artifacts to show how it went. If you had a, um, a planning PLC, again, they could bring artifacts or evidence to show that they actually tried out one of the things that you discussed during that time frame, right? But the idea is that teachers have to collaborate as a team by sharing and bringing artifacts that show how things went. They could also take pictures of how lessons went in the classroom to demonstrate that they've tried something out and that they are going to be prepared to share that with their colleagues. Because we can't create a true PLC if people are not trying things out and then seeing how they went and then sharing that about them with their other teachers. So it's really important to set that accountability measure. Um, You can ask everybody, how would you like to show that you've applied this learning or this work between now and our next PLC? And if everybody agrees, you know, you don't, it's not you imposing it because everybody's saying, yeah, that's fine. We can do that. It's sometimes nice because teachers who are always doing the things that we're asking them to do and always doing the best practices sometimes feel a little bit relieved whenever they know that their colleagues who are maybe not doing those things are going to be held accountable for something. It makes them feel like oh, they at least they know, they realize that we do need some kind of accountability to make sure this is happening, right? Because people who are always doing their jobs 
they're always doing their jobs. And it's exhausting whenever you see somebody down the road who is maybe not as um, conscientious. So that's one of the ways that we can do that. It's also one of the ways that we can make sure that teachers are trying things out and having the opportunity to discuss if they went well or not. And we can talk about adjustments that we can make. Because if you're keeping on with your plans with teachers and you're doing the same thing over and over again and they're not panning out well in the classroom, you need to know that, right? You need to have information that's going to help you make adjustments to the way that you're working with teachers. And you can't get that if they don't bring it to you. So set your accountability measure. And then um, if it's too much for each person to share at the beginning of each PLC, which it could be, especially if you have larger grade levels, just do a rotation and maybe one or two people share. Or you could always set them up in partners at the beginning of PLC. And instead of having each person share out to the whole group, they share in a partner or a triad. And that way they can bring, they can share what they brought and each person is accountable, but they're not each talking to the whole group. So I definitely recommend finding a system that works for you for conducting those accountability measures for check-ins. Step seven is you want to send out summary notes or share. So something to think about whenever you're assigning your roles is that somebody should be assigned to take notes and send them out after the meeting. And ideally, that somebody should not be you. Because if it's you, then it's going to impair your ability to facilitate that meeting well because your head is going to be in two places, right? Your head's already in like 9 million places. (laughs) We don't want to add anything else. So actually, it's best if we can get a teacher to agree. And that can be on a rotating basis. If you don't want somebody always responsible for taking those notes or formatting those plans, then you can have teachers take turns, you know. But either way, you want to make sure that somebody is responsible for recording those notes and sending them out to their colleagues and to you as well. And um, again, ideally, that somebody would not be you. So these are seven step, steps that you can use to have a really great, purposeful, structured PLC that's not overwhelming and that everybody knows what they're walking away with. I'm just going to review them really quickly to make sure that you got them all. Step one is review your norms. Step two, have a check-in and check on those accountability pieces from last PLC. Just one thing I'm going to bring up here. If you haven't listened to my episode where I talk with uh, Lynn Muscle about structures for PLC, you have got to listen to that episode. It is excellent. It's episode nine and it will help. Nope. I think it's episode 10. I'm sorry. And no, it's episode nine. I was right the first time. It's episode nine. And I, you've got to listen to that because she's going to talk about what she means by you must inspect what you expect. If you tell teachers that you are going to share out about these accountability pieces and then you don't, you have lost so much credibility. So make sure that you do that check-in. It's so essential. Okay, that's my soapbox. Step three, you want to state the purpose and what people will walk away with. Step four, Assign roles for the day or review regular roles if they are needed. Step five, conduct your business, whether that's planning, data, or learning. Step six, set an accountability measure for next time. And step seven, make sure that summary of notes is sent out for everybody or those lesson plans are sent out for everybody to have access to. So here's my main takeaway for you. PLCs make an impact when everyone can verbalize what's being accomplished And when you have some plan or accountability so that teachers will apply the learning right away, that's when they have meaning. If not, they're just dead space. They're just time that we go and we talk and we think we're making an impact, but nothing is changing. And impact means change, right? So I'm going to help you out. I have a data download for you 
that I think you're going to love because it's going to help you do exactly this. It's going to help you structure this PLC meeting. It's going to help you structure um, the kinds of questions that you ask about looking at data. And it's going to give you a handout, like a little guide that you can use with teachers to really plan next steps for whole group and small group instruction based on that data that you reviewed. So check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com. That is there for you in the show notes. And I think you're going to love it. Um, and that's on episode episode today, episode 15. The show notes for episode 15 is where you can get that down to download. Okay, so next steps for you. One, think back to your last PLC and ask yourself what was accomplished? What did the teachers leave with? Did you have a specific target? Did the teachers know what it was? I want you to really do some reflecting on that and then make a strong plan for your next PLC using these seven steps to ensure purpose and action. Okay. Thanks so much for listening in today. Um, I have got an episode coming up next week called Understanding Reasons for Resistance. And I'm sure none of you have any resistant teachers, um, but just in case you would like to be educated for whatever purposes, you know, you are welcome to pop in on that episode um, because I'm going to talk about the reasons for resistance and figuring out what are you going to do about it? Because We have to work through that resistance. We have to address it. We can't just let it hang there in the air um, and, and impede the work that we're trying to do on campuses. So definitely pop in for that episode. And between now and then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.